welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. If you're new with us, we've been going through this series called Charisma, and I love, I love what we've been doing in this series. It's been really great. We're going through all the spiritual gifts through the entire summer, and the, there's 20 of them, and we've gone through, I don't know, probably almost half of them now, and it's just been really good each week hearing people speak on their gifts, and what we've been doing is having different, those who are gifted in that gift speak on their gifts. So, uh, and it's just been really awesome. Let me give you a picture of the rest of, of the summer. Uh, today we're talking about discernment, healing, and miracles, which that's, that's a big one. So we'll, we'll see what happens today. Uh, I was telling Michelle earlier, the miracle will be if I finish on time because there's a, lot, there's a lot in here and there's so many more things we can talk about aside from what I'm going to talk about today. But uh, next week will be the camping retreat. Like Michelle said, if you're not there... That's lame. Like, come on out. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like she said, if it's just for the Saturday or the Sunday, come on out and hang out with us. Uh, and then the following week after that, we're having a guest speaker outside of this series. We'll take a two-week break from this series. We'll be at the camping retreat. The following week, we'll have a guest speaker. It's a guy named Bashara Awad. He is, he is the founder of Bethlehem Bible College in Bethlehem. He's a Palestinian Christian, and he's going to talk to us. He's going to share his story and talk to us about our West Bank engagement and things like that. So, and then the following week, we'll pick this series back up. Uh, I think Daniel will be speaking that week, and he'll talk about exhortation and shepherding. And follow, after that, Missy will speak on service and mercy. After that, is it, is it, yeah, it's Jamie, right? Jamie and Jamie. So it's going to be a double dose of Jamie. We'll be speaking on tongues, interpretation of tongues, intercession. And then we'll be at our fifth year birthday as a church. And I'll talk about prophecy and faith on, on, on those weeks. So, and, and love. We'll, we'll kind of do those three together. Uh, so that's, that's a picture of the rest of the summer. Uh, it's going to be really cool. I want to apologize for last week. Michelle's recording got messed up. So that's why it's not online. So I actually told her this morning, I was like, hey, you can redo it this morning. And she said no. So you guys have me. Uh, but I'm sorry about that if you weren't here last week, and a lot of you guys weren't here last week. Um, we just, we don't have it. So she'll have to do it again sometime, because it was really amazing. It was really good just to hear leadership and administration and, and those talked about. And it was really great to see the prayer time last week. So many people came forward for prayer on those things. So, all right. We're going to jump into these gifts. So, <clears throat> what if I told you that I have a very close friend who, because of her involvement with the occult, she couldn't see her reflection for almost a year in a mirror. She would look in a mirror and she couldn't see her reflection at all because she was involved with, with this stuff. What if I told you that 
at 4 a.m. in the morning outside of my house here in Toronto uh, that I've seen a demon. What if I told you that uh, I may have been kidnapped by demons when I was two years old? Um, what if I told you that I've seen someone, I know someone who's been healed through prayer from their cancer? What if I told you that I've seen a leg grow and put back into place right in front of my eyes through a prayer of healing? <clears throat> what if I told you that there's this event in South Carolina where it was a Christian event, this guy was preaching, this severe thunderstorm was coming in, and this older lady gets up and prays that the, that the storm, she appeals to God's character, she says the storm should not affect this, it's outdoor in a stadium, right? And all of a sudden, the storm just splits around the stadium and, and goes around it. Do you guys believe those things happen? Do you guys believe that those things can happen? Michelle prayed earlier that something may be released in our church today. When I was with the prayer team earlier this morning, they're saying, sometimes we look at these gifts, discernment, healing, and miracles, and, uh, and there's, a, there's just a restraint on these for us. Because these things that I've just said, we're like, I don't know. I don't know about those things. I don't know if that, if that happens. I don't, I mean, demons, the spiritual world, what do you mean you're kidnapped by demons? That's, that is kind of uh, an interesting story that I just found out a couple years ago from my parents as they were telling somebody else. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, but we have issues with believing the supernatural, uh, even Christians. Uh, we have issues with this. And we just read this passage out of, out of Luke chapter 8, and we're like, oh, that was then. We don't think about it for now. And, and a lot of us, our response is, well, if I actually saw it with my own eyes, I'd believe it. But in the Gospels, we see Jesus doing so many things, miracles, healings, exorcisms, all these signs and wonders, and people still don't believe. In fact, in Matthew 11, Jesus pronounces woes, which is the opposite of blessings. He pronounces woes on entire cities because of their disbelief after he's done things like this in front of them. So we can say that, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's true if you actually saw this, you'd believe it. Because these things, when I saw them, I was like, that, can't, that didn't happen. Like, it, it's, it was a struggle for me to, to believe them to believe that that actually happened in front of us. So I think one of the issues for us in, in discernment, healing miracles, and we'll get to discernment because you're like, how does that go with healing miracles probably, but we'll, I'll explain it. Uh, I think one of the main issues is we, we just don't really want to believe. We don't really want to open ourselves up to that. We're, it's, it's a little too scary. It's, it's too unknown for us. And, and it may be because your heart is hardened. And it may be because your eyes are blind. There's so many different reasons, but we love to try to explain these things away rationally. And, and so a lot of times we just choose not to believe because we can try to explain it away. Let me show you this graphic. This is, this is the, the light spectrum. It goes from gamma rays all the way to radio waves. And that little sliver right between ultraviolet and infrared is the, physical, is the visible spectrum. It's what you actually can see. It's what your eyes can process and what you can see. We can't see gamma rays, x-rays, ultraviolet, infrared. 
or radio waves, right? We just see the effects of them. We can't actually see them. And if you look at that little sliver, that's pretty amazing that that's all we can see. It's not very much on the spectrum, right? And, and we just see, like I said, we just see the effects of gamma rays, x-rays, ultraviolet, infrared radio waves. So, uh, and, and it's pretty amazing that we can see those effects. So like x-rays, for instance, we can see, we can see bone, which is it's just amazing that we can do that. Ultraviolet, people get tan uh, and, and other things. Uh, you know, microwaves aren't, aren't on here, but like, we, get, we can heat up our food. Uh, radio waves, we, we hear these things. Gamma rays, the Hulk, that's all I can think of for gamma rays. <laughs> I don't know what else they use gamma rays for. Uh, and, and we see the effects of it, but we can't actually see them with our eyes. But we believe they exist, don't we? Right? But there was a time, like, radio waves and gamma rays, they weren't discovered until 1900. So for much of human history, we didn't even know those existed. So now we live in this time where we, we know that entire spectrum exists, and we think we have it all. Who knows? The spectrum may be larger than that. We may still discover more, more of that, right? And, and we think, so, so we think we know all of it, but that's, that's all we can see, that visible spectrum. So now, let's superimpose our discussion onto this. Picture the, the entire spectrum as a supernatural. So from gamma rays to radio waves, that's the supernatural. The natural is that little sliver right in the middle there, that visible spectrum. That's what we can see with our eyes. And we see this all through the scriptures. There's, there's a passage in 2 Kings with, with, Eli, with Elisha and his servant, and he sees this great army, and his servant's like, we're going to die here. What, what are we going to do? And, and, he, and he prays that his servant's eyes would be open. His eyes are open, and then he sees that the Lord's army is exceedingly greater there. But it was always there. He just couldn't see it. That's the supernatural for us. So this morning, I want to open our minds to that. I want to open our eyes to that, if we can. Spirit, open our eyes to that this morning. And, and our issue, though, is what we've done is we've taken the visible spectrum and made it the entire spectrum. You follow me there? Because it's the natural spectrum. It's not the supernatural spectrum. It's the rational spectrum. And we've made it the entire spectrum, so we've closed off the rest of it. And you can make the argument that if you do that, you're more closed-minded than, than open-minded, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. But my prayer for us this morning, my prayer for you this morning is that our eyes will be open, our hearts will be open to what God wants us to see. So let's jump into discernment, because this is key to these two gifts and, and other gifts. Charles Spurgeon, preacher from, from uh, 18th century, uh, 1800s, says this, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Rather, it's a difference between right and almost right. Most of you guys can tell the difference between right and wrong. That's, that's pretty natural. We can tell the difference between good and evil. We can tell the difference between holiness and sin. We can tell the difference between right and wrong. Sometimes uh, you choose wrong, but you're lying to yourself, and that's why you choose that. You know what's right and what's wrong. Discernment helps us discern the difference between what's right and what's almost right. That's how tricky these things can be sometimes. And just a note on this, 
Discernment is not, the gift of discernment, I should say, the spiritual gift of discernment is not wisdom or guidance. And if you're new with us, I'm not gonna go into our, what a spiritual gift is and all these things. We, we dealt with that early on in the very first um, sermon in this series, I believe. So you can go back and listen to that. But the spiritual gift of discernment is not just wisdom or guidance. And a lot of times we pray for discernment, right? God, give us discernment, and that's good. Pray for that. But a lot of times you're meaning wisdom or guidance. The spiritual gift of discernment is something different. So here's the definition. It's a spiritual capacity to demonstrate God's perception. If you notice in all of our definitions that, that I've written, they all reveal something about God's character. Your spiritual gifts, whatever they are, should point to God, not to you. They should all reveal something about who God is. So if you go back, when we package it for you and give you this booklet or give it to you online or however we're going to do it, you'll see that each one starts like this. The spiritual capacity to demonstrate God's something. So this one is God's perception, right? God sees the entire spectrum, right? We have the visible spectrum. God's perception is all of it. So this is a spiritual capacity to demonstrate God's perception by perceiving and knowing the power source behind certain issues and giving judgment concerning those issues, including the ability to recognize the spiritual forces behind them. By power source, think about plugging something into the wall. Discernment helps you recognize what, what outlet someone is plugged into. So whether it's this, whether the spiritual force is uh, of, of God or whether the spiritual force is of the enemy or whether it's main, uh, maybe a fleshly human, human power source, this is what we're talking about here. So that's the basic definition. Let's talk about what it looks like if you have this gift. So our entire series, so this morning, I want you to discern if you have these gifts or not. I want you to say, is this me? And since these gifts are a little bit more, well, all three are power gifts, we've divided the gifts into love gifts, like administration, mercy, service, word gifts, like teaching, uh, other ones. <laughs> I don't know why I just blinked out. There's uh, shepherding, exhortation, yeah, those, there we go. And then power gifts, which is like discernment, healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, those are, those are power gifts. Uh, now, don't, the last thing I want you guys to do is to say, oh, those are better than love gifts, or these gifts are better than those gifts. No, uh, don't, don't, don't take that as, as that. Um, they're, all the gifts are from the Spirit, and, and we're receiving those as, as gifts. And, and so some, some people are just gifted in, in different things, and it's up to the Spirit how he, he apportions those. So this morning, though, with these three gifts, like, I didn't, I didn't ask our church, hey, does anyone, is anyone gifted in miracles? Because I want you to speak on this. Because I wanted us to kind of talk about these gifts first and have a, an, an understanding as a church what we're saying for these gifts. Because they're, they just feel a little different than, than the other gifts because they deal with the rest of the spectrum. Okay? So, if you have this gift... It may look like this. <clears throat> you have a keen sense for recognizing inconsistencies. Uh, and I'm going to flow through a lot of this because I want to get all of it in this morning. So you have a good grasp of scriptural truth in general. That's key. You are grounded in the scriptures. 
discernment, this, a main source of this, uh, or we could say a main tributary flowing into this gift for you is scriptural uh, foundation, okay? So uh, you have a good grasp of that. You're critical positive, not critical negative. So many of you guys are critical negative, meaning you criticize things, but you don't offer solutions. A discerning, uh, someone who has discernment can, can be critical, but they're critical positive, okay? Um, they offer solutions. Uh, you have a strong distaste for half-truth, misapplied truth, and false teaching. Perhaps you, and, and also, uh, also that has to do with context. You like truth in its context. That's, that's really big, too. Uh, perhaps you get a quote-unquote bad feeling when you enter a room or a place. Some people with the gift of discernment, they just sense something else, and they can sense it through a feeling, a thought, a tingling sensation, perhaps. So that goes to the next one. You see, hear, even smell things that others can't. That's never happened to me where I've smelled something that others can't. <laughs> I have a bunch of bad jokes about that. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a sense where, well, yeah, you can just see or hear things that, that, that people can't sometimes. Uh, you get bad vibes from certain people for seemingly no particular reason. Um, some people, they'll just meet somebody and know something is off. They have never known that person before. They just know something. Sometimes a shake of a hand uh, can do that. Uh, I, have, I have a couple stories like that that I'm not going to get into. Um, you can clearly distinguish between the influence of God slash good and the influence of the world or evil. Now, that one's, that one's pretty big because a lot of us think, okay, that's, that's not a big deal. We can, we can do that, like good and evil. That's, that's pretty easy. Where it gets a little trickier, I think, is between God and good and the world. And this is the terminology of John. And, and, and when, when I say that, like, just think about culture in general and how much cultural intake you have. The person with the gift of discernment doesn't, knows how to parse culture and exegete culture and, and take what's good out of culture and and maybe, maybe imbibe it and then use it to influence. A person without the gift of discernment can't do that as much. And so you, you may say, oh, you know, some of those things apply to me. Um, but now think about culture. Like, what do you, and it's as simple as this, guys. What do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? What do you watch? What, what Netflix shows do you watch? What movies do you go see? What do you read? Like, this is what I'm talking about. If, if, and there's so much influence that the world has on us that we just accept. And, and, if, and if your radar is not going off, if you're not like, oh, I shouldn't watch that or listen to that, then you, you probably don't have this gift. Um, because you should be highly aware of those things. Now, all that to say, that doesn't make you, that doesn't cause you to retreat from culture. The gift, someone with the gift of discernment actually can step in the culture. This is what Jesus does. He steps in the culture, and he's able to do certain things that, that uh, you know, people accuse him. Like, for instance, he's hanging out with prostitutes. And, and he's able to 
with the gift of discernment do certain things in that environment. And someone outside is saying, oh, Jesus, you're so bad. Uh, and, and he's able to, to show them how he's doing something for the good. So, um, yeah, there's more on, there's more, I can go more on that, but let's move on. Let's go to developing in this gift. So, a couple things. Since there's three gifts this morning, everything that we've done in the past few gifts, I'm kind of condensing. So we've gone through a list of questions, for instance. I'm, I'm condensing all that uh, so that we can get through all three gifts. Because last time I did three gifts, what I do? Teaching, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. I felt like I shortchanged the last two. So hopefully we can move, move through this. You develop in this gift by practicing the spiritual disciplines of silence, prayer, and meditation. This is also something you'll see in developing this gift. Of all the gifts, it always is going to start with practicing the spiritual disciplines of something. If your spiritual disciplines are off, your spiritual gifts are going to be off. You're not going to use them wisely. You're not going to use them correctly. You're going to use them in the flesh. So we want to use them in the spirit. So silence, prayer, and meditation. When I say meditation, the scriptures talk about meditation and not as emptying your mind like Eastern mysticism, but filling your mind with the scriptures, with things that are noble, trustworthy, true, of excellence, praiseworthy, as Paul says in Philippians 4. The psalmist in Psalm 1 says, meditate on the, on the law of the Lord day and night, and you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. This is an allusion to the, the tree of life. So meditation does this. It, it fills our mind. And, and when we fill our mind with, with the good, what happens to the bad? It goes out. Okay. Studying the accounts of power encounters in the scriptures can help you develop in, in this gift. This passage, Luke 8, that, that Luke 8, that Michelle read is a power encounter. So studying that passage, we'll get to that passage at the, at the end of this. Um, pursuing mentoring from someone else who has this gift. Being in situations where you can use this gift in an environment where power and word gifts are used. That seems very general, but it's just experience. Like just putting yourself out there in discernment situations and, and learning from experience. Okay? There's a few examples of this in the scriptures. Jesus, Luke 8. Peter, Acts 8, Paul, Acts 16. So just jot those down. I, I, won't, I won't go into those this morning, but those are good examples in the early church and with Jesus of, of the discernment gift. And it's important to recognize with this gift, it's not about how religious or pious you are. The Pharisees couldn't do this. They weren't gifted in this way. And the, and the Pharisees were... Where they knew the law in and out, they were they they were religious, they were pious, they looked great on the outside, but when Jesus cast out demons, they accused Jesus of doing that by the power of Satan. So what did what happened? They got the power source wrong. They accused Jesus Jesus of having power that comes from Satan, not power that comes from God. And so they totally misread that, and that's just a, a classic. You can see that they didn't have the gift of discernment. So, um, but spiritual disciplines do matter in this. Remember that. All right, let's let's jump to miracles. Before we get in the definition for this, <clears throat> just want to give a few notes on miracles because this is probably the one where we're like, ah, I don't know. Like, we see miracles in the Bible. And we're like, yeah, that's good. Some of you guys may have, may have been involved in a tradition where they said miracles don't exist anymore. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of you guys who didn't grow up in the church and ha are now in the church, you know, we've been all informed by the Enlightenment. And don't get me wrong, I love the Enlightenment. 
uh, did some good things, but also did some bad things for the way we think. Uh, or we've been informed by science. And don't get me wrong, I love science. Uh, but science has, is, is very uh, empirically based and, and rational based. And, and so we've, we've lopped off those ends of the spectrum. And so David Hume, who is an 18th century Scottish philosopher, he's considered by many the father of philosophical empiricism. So empir empiricism is just like you have, to, um, you have to verify something with your senses. Okay, so if you can't verify it with your senses, it doesn't exist. The spectrum, gone, right? Just the visible, visible spectrum is, becomes the spectrum through, through this. John Locke, George Berkeley, they were also fathers of this movement. Uh, but David Hume was also, uh, he's also considered the father of skepticism, which uh, is actually a philosophical um, school of thinking. And in section 10 of his, his most famous work, which is called An Inquiry, concerning human understanding, he treats the topic of miracles, and he basically says that they're ludicrous. Like, miracles can't exist because they break the laws of nature, and you cannot break the laws of nature. They're unalterable. And, and, uh, and so to that viewpoint, I just want to say, there's no objective view on miracles. If you think you're being objective by saying, well, that can't exist, then you're just lying to yourself. We all have a subjective viewpoint. There's no objective viewpoint on this topic. You're just misrepresenting your position. The naturalist is governed by laws of nature. And the, supernatural, the supernaturalist is governed by the Lord of nature. And that's the big difference. One, one takes that, that little sliver and makes it the spectrum, and one says, no, I think I'm going to be open to, to the entire spectrum here. So, like I said, with that in mind, it can actually be argued that the supernaturalist is more open-minded than the naturalist, according to that spectrum, right? Because they've just taken that sliver of what they can verify with their senses. Us, as supernaturalists, those who follow Jesus, say, yeah, that stuff's possible. I may not have seen it, but it's, I believe it's possible, right? That gamma rays do exist. That, and then the other, and that infrared, and whatever was on the other end, exists. So also, if you want to know more on this topic, C.S. Lewis has a book entitled Miracles. It's kind of a rebuttal to David Hume's work, uh, which is just, <laughs> I think, a couple hundred years later. Uh, but here he says that miracles aren't necessarily grounded in the event, in the actual miracle, the, the actual happening. He says they're grounded in the interpretation of the event. So if you're closed-minded, you're always going to see it as natural. You'll never see it as a miracle if you're a naturalist, because you're going to use it with the, the laws of nature. Uh, and C.S. Lewis make the argument that if you have a supernatural lens, then you have at least the ability to interpret it as a miracle. You may not, but at least you've opened yourself up to seeing it that way. Okay? And, and here's another thing. Miracles don't break the laws of nature. So this is one of Hume's fundamental principles, and, he's, and that's why he says they can't work. But they don't break the laws of nature. Because if, if Jesus did this, like, let's take water to wine, for instance. This is Jesus' first recorded miracle. If what he did there, if he broke the laws of nature, and think about what he'd have to do. Water is made of H2O. He'd have to change the, mole the molecular structure of water. And if he broke the, the law of nature, that would have broken water. So now... Not just that would have been wine, all water would be wine. 
some of you guys are like, yeah, that might be, I'd be down with that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> all water would be wine if he, had, if he had broken the laws of nature. So when the miraculous occurs, it doesn't actually break the laws of nature. God has set these laws in order. He has a creation order. What he's actually done is supersede those laws. And that's why he can do it in an instant. All right? That's why when he can't, well, that's why when he does certain things, it only happens at that time, because he's superseding these laws. He's not breaking them. He's still, they're still intact. Water's still water. Wine is still wine. He hasn't changed it. He hasn't changed it all. And for us as Christians, we should think about miracles like this, that they're not actually transgressing the natural order. They're actually, in a sense, restoring it. They're restoring things to how God really wants things to be. So uh, we'll get more into that. So let me go with the definition. The spiritual capacity to display God's glory, they're pointing to God, to revealing God's power and presence by operating outside of his creation order. So if you have this gift, <laughs> if you have this gift in here, come say something. Because <laughs> I don't know anyone that does. So I don't, I don't have this gift. At least I don't think I do. Um, but when we go into our prayer time later, if you have the slightest inkling that God may want to grow you in this gift, come forward for prayer. Just, just come forward and say, yeah, I think this may be something. So, uh, okay, you find yourself in situations in which you must see God's power demonstrated in order to confirm his character. That wording there is key. You must see God's power demonstrated. If that's for you, like, oh, it would be cool if his, God, if his power is demonstrated. Well, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You have to see it demonstrated to confirm his character. And that's your protective of God's character there. Like, God, you got to show up. This, gonna, this is what Moses does. He's like, God, if you don't show up, this is going to look bad on you. He's like, it's not going to look bad on me. Like, I'm concerned about you. So that's the first one. Second, you have an ability to sense what God wants to do in a given situation. Yeah, that's, that's huge. You just, you just sense, okay, you know, God wants to split that storm. And you, you say it, and you stand there firmly and boldly. Will, you're willing to risk your reputation and trust God in unusual situations. You have a deep trust and faith. You do not claim power yourself, but always give credit to God. You are a person of prayer. If you're not, if you're not a person of prayer, then this, you're never going to grow and develop in this gift. You have to be that. That was really convicting for me when I, saw, when I <laughs> wrote that. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, am I a person of prayer? Is that something, is that, something that, that I will call myself? And, um, yeah, so you have an ability to see the spiritual realities of a situation and discern the power encounters that are happening. So discernment goes with this gift, okay? So if you're gifted in discernment, this may follow that up. So those of you who, who resonated with discernment, this you may say, okay, maybe there is something there. Others come to faith in Christ or draw close to him as a result. That's, that's key. We saw that in the Luke 8 passage, that he received healing, right, when the demon was exercised. That's a miracle. That, that, would, that would be the gift of miracles. Uh, and also here, you know, we have, we have raising, Jesus raises people from the dead. Um, 
you know, the water to wine, the healings would kind of fall under miracles, although it's, it's something separate. Um, you know, there's, there's a few, few other things uh, that, that we can put in this category that we see in the Gospels too. All right, let's talk about developing this gift. So you develop in this gift by practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, and obedience. Okay, prayer and fasting, Jesus says to the disciples at one point, this isn't going to happen unless you pray and fast. They're like, Jesus, we prayed for this guy, for this demon to come out, and it hasn't. He's like, you got to pray and fast for it. Uh, so that should be a spiritual discipline of yours, and obedience. You're never going to see the miraculous happen if you don't put yourself out there and step out in faith. Uh, pursuing the gift of sermon or pairing up with someone who has it is, is another way to develop this gift. Um, so you may not have discernment, but partnering with somebody who has this gift. Uh, study the miraculous accounts in the scriptures. That's going to help you. Uh, listen to those who've experienced a miracle. There's people all around us who've experienced this. Just listen to their stories. <clears throat> Is that the last one? Oh, and then examples. So Luke 8, we'll talk about, and then Paul in Acts 20 does one. Again, jot that down. Let's jump into healings. Just a, a quick note on this. Uh, so healing in our church, actually, let me give you the note first, and I'll give you the story. So just a quick note on this. Uh, this in the Greek is a, is a different construction in the list of spiritual gifts than the other ones. It's actually two plurals. It's gifts of healings. So talking about this gift, we should actually, it should actually be called healings. We should start using that terminology uh, because, and, and that's important because not there's, it's very diverse. There's various gifts of healings. And just because I've prayed for somebody and, I heal, and, and their back pain was healed doesn't mean that I can pray for somebody to walk and they won't have paralysis anymore. Just be, uh, and I, does that make sense? And just because I've prayed for one person and they've been cured of their paralysis doesn't mean I can pray for every, everybody who's paralyzed and they'd be cured. Okay, so when Paul says gifts of healings, that's what he has in mind. There's, there's diverse things. Now, all that to say, some people, I know, it's going to sound weird, they, they're like spiritual, it's like a spiritual doctor, they kind of specialize in back pain. And there's some people, whenever, they, they just have a greater frequency of praying for people with back pain, and they're healed of back pain. Uh, and, but that's, that's like their niche, that's their... That's their specialty almost. And nobody knows why. It's all the spirit. It's, it's, it's up to him. Uh, but uh, so just, just want to say that. And, and just because you prayed for healing for somebody and that's happened doesn't mean that it's ever going to happen again. It can never happen again. It's up to the spirit. It's all up to him. It's just us stepping out in faith. And also, just because you prayed for someone's healing and it's not happened does not mean you don't have this gift. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. But there's people that they know they have, the, they know they've been called to have the gift of healing, and they prayed for a thousand, a thousand people before they saw somebody actually healed. A thousand. Can you imagine that? That's like a thousand, in a sense, it feels like a thousand failures. But if you're thinking, I'm just being obedient, I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to, then it's not a failure. It's just you stepping out in faith and letting God do his work because you're not the one healing, right? It's, it's the spirit. This is a sovereign affair, okay? Um, so a few years ago, actually in our first year here in Toronto, our first year of Trinity life, 
I was sitting in my basement studying, I think I was in Luke or Matthew, I was looking in the Gospels, reading, praying, and, and as I'm, I'm praying and reading, God just, he, the Lord just spoke the word healing and said that we're going to be a church of healing. Trinity Life's going to be a church of healing. And at that time, I was like, uh, that's weird. Was that me? Was that God? Who, like, uh, yeah, it was just, was that a thought? That was random. And, and, uh, and then literally 30 seconds to a minute later, someone knocks on my door. I go up, it's a friend, and he has a binder. He says, I don't know, I was driving, I was driving by your place, and I just felt the Lord say, I need to give this to you. So he hands me this binder, and I'm like, what is it? He's like, it's a binder on healing. And I just, I just feel like the Lord wants you to read this. And here you go. Um, I have that binder still. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You're like, I'd be like devouring it, right? Um, that's how crazy church life has been <laughs> over the past four years. Um, I'm reading it this year, so it's on my desk now. It's made its way from behind my desk to my desk. Uh, now, what is even more, even more to this story is, so for those of you guys who don't know, Missy and I, we partnered with another family to start Trinity Life Church, Daniel and Linda. And um, at the same time, Daniel and I weren't together. We came, we had a meeting later that day. We came together. And both of us that morning received the same word from the Lord on healing. And we're at different places, different everything. And he was so excited when he came to me. He's like, I got something to tell you. God's going to make us a church of healing. And I was like, what? Why would you say that? Like, where did that come from? And he had his own story. And I was like, I have my story. And like, it, was, it was so cool. So God, God has that force. We've seen healing happen in our church in so many different ways, mentally, emotionally, physically. And, and so we want to press into that more. But I want to give you guys a, a picture of, of, of healing. So definition, healings. Ah, I like that. Look at Isaiah on the ball. He, he added that plural there. Healings, the spiritual capacity to display God's holiness by being a conduit to remove sickness in order to recover spiritual health. There's so much in that definition. I can't unpack all of that right now, but that's, that's, a, really, that's a really theologically rich definition of, of what healings is. All right, let's go to, if you have this gift. You have a deep desire to see God alleviate physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual hardships in other people. You're compassionate toward the sick and pray over them regularly. You have an unusual ability to sense the power of God when it is present for healing. Some people, it's, it's a, actually, I can't remember. Go to the next slide. I can't remember if we get to this. Yeah, it doesn't say that. So some people, they actually, like, their hands feel warm when they feel like God wants them to pray over someone's healing but they also feel like God wants to do it at that point. And they, they, there's a sensation that, that they might feel. That's not for everybody. Some people, some people have that, some people don't. Also want to say this about healings. As a follower of Jesus, this is for all of us, guys. Like this isn't just, like some people are going to be endowed with a spiritual gift and the Spirit is going to give it to them, but we should always be praying for healing. Uh, the, the, there's this guy, I can't remember his name, but he has this, this famous quote where he says, when someone asks him, like, should I be praying for healing? 
And he says, unless you receive a revelation from the Lord not to, and, or unless they're dead, pray for their healing. I just always pray for it, unless God says, don't do it, or they die. <laughs> so he says, just as Christians, we should always be building our faith in that way. So you have the ability to trust God and believe he wants to heal and are not deterred when he chooses not to. Because it doesn't happen all the time. You're motivated by the fact that God's revealed power will result <clears throat> in drawing others to Jesus. And then last, your prayers actually heal people. So if you think you might have this gift but you haven't seen your prayers heal people, you still may have this gift. You just may need to pray more. And that many times, praying for a thousand people, for instance, like that's building up faith. That's, that's showing, that's revealing uh, obedience and trust and, and moving you forward and helping you develop this gift. So develop this gift by practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, and obedience. It's similar to the other ones. Praying for as many sick people as you can. Constantly stepping out in faith and asking God to heal. You're not worried about uh, whether they're healed or not because you're faith, you're just trusting God. Uh, and then study the, the healing accounts in the scriptures. That'll, that'll help you develop. Examples of this are Jesus, every time he healed somebody. I couldn't pick one. There are like so many of them. Uh, just, just choose one. <laughs> uh, Peter and John in Acts 3 uh, is, is also one. So let me give you some principles. This is a little different for us, but... Healings, I want to give you guys seven principles that will help us understand healing more. So first one is healing requires faith. What you don't want to do in healing, when someone doesn't get healed, you don't want to say, oh, we didn't have enough faith, or I didn't have enough faith. We don't know. But healing does require faith, guys. In almost every instance in the Gospels, Jesus attributes the healing to faith. There's only one that I, that I remember where faith isn't mentioned in partnership with the healing. So in almost all these, faith is required. Faith is there, whether it's the faith of the person or the faith of the person doing it, okay? Uh, number two, healing does not preclude modern medicine. So Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.23, uh, no longer drink only water, take a little wine for the sake of your stomach and frequent ailments. Like, if you have a cold and you're like, God, I need healing. And you come to the church like, hey guys, can you pray for my cold? I need healing. We're gonna be like, just take some Tylenol and get some rest. Because not, and, and hopefully, I mean, we would say, I mean, I'm not gonna turn away. I mean, I, I might say, yeah, okay, yeah, God, take this cold away. But, but our bodies do that on their own, right? So we don't, healing doesn't preclude modern medicine. Now, there are instances, guys, when, um, when stuff like that happens too. Uh, so, but I don't, I don't want to say let's like throw away science and medicine, okay? Like if you have a broken leg and, I, and you come here, like if it happens here, we're going to pray for your healing. But if it happens somewhere else, go to the hospital before you come here. <laughs> we're, but we will pray for you and we'll, we'll pray for healing and expedited healing and, and all those things. Uh, but uh, healing does not preclude the modern medicine. Number, number three. Healing does not depend on our own understanding, but on God's character. God is the object of our, of our faith here, guys. Not the event, not the healing act. 
so many times our, our lack of understanding puts our, puts our faith into whether I'm going to be healed or not, or whether that person I'm praying for is going to be healed or not. Your faith does not belong in that act. It belongs in God and in, his, and in his character. If you trust that he's good, you trust that he's sovereign, you trust that he will or will not heal, and it's up to him. Now, you can expect it, and we should expect it. In your prayer of faith, you should expect God to heal, and we, we should pray like that and pray boldly like that. Okay, number, what are we on? Four, healing may require persistence and perseverance. You may have to do it a lot. Even Jesus did this in Mark chapter 8. Chap, yeah, Mark chapter 8, he, he goes to heal a blind man, but it takes persistence. He lays his hands on him twice. This is Jesus. And then he, he, he spits on his hands to do it. So it's almost like, uh, and, and actually in this passage, it's really peculiar. When he does it the first time, the guy's sight is partially restored. And he says, and Jesus is like, or he says, I see people. And I see, they look like trees, he says. And then Jesus does it a second time, and his sight is completely restored. So even when we see this in Jesus, he's persistent, uh, and, he, and he prays again. All right, number five, healing isn't automatic. Just because you pray for somebody who's blind doesn't mean that that person's going to be healed or pray for someone who's paralyzed. It's, again, it's, it's not automatic. Uh, here's a quote from, from John Piper. He says, this was Paul's experience. God gave him the grace to heal the crippled man in Lystra and many people in Ephesus and the demonized girl in Philippi and Eutychus when he was taken up dead after falling out of a window. But Paul couldn't heal himself from the thorn in the flesh or from the ailment that he had when he preached in Galatia. <clears throat> and evidently, he couldn't heal Timothy from his stomach ailments or Epaphroditus from his life-threatening sickness or Trophimus, whom he left ill at, at Miletus. Sometimes... Paul was given gifts of healings, and sometimes he wasn't. God is sovereign in this affair. Nothing is mechanical or automatic. Number six, healing is governed by compassion and love. You see this all over, Jesus. This is the impetus. Number seven, last one, healing is spiritual warfare. You guys have to know if you have this gift that you're entering into the battle zone when you pray for healing. Because the enemy does not want healing. He wants to see destruction. He wants to see sickness. He wants to see debilitation. And so you're entering into a war. And, and when someone doesn't get healed, or someone does get healed, we either assume it's because of God's will or because of faith or lack thereof, which, which could be true. But it could also be the opposition. It could be the strength of the opposition. It could depend on who you're facing. And this is, this is what happens in this passage. It could be the number of people. And it looks arbitrary to us because we're not seeing the entire spectrum. This is where the gift of discernment is key. Because we're, we're looking at just the visible spectrum. And what these gifts do is make us sens sensitive to the entire spectrum. And in this passage in, in Luke 8, we'll finish with this. We have Jesus as our model for all three of these gifts, for discernment, for miracles, and for healing. And, and in this passage, you see him go to this man who was cutting himself, who was estranged from his family, who was just, uh, he was homeless. He was, like, he was doing all these things and hurting people. And, and he was, 
uh, the, the Bible talks about him like being out of his mind. And, and Jesus goes up to him, and Jesus tries to cast out the demon. It says he, he tries to cast out the demon, and he doesn't. And then Jesus says, well, what's your name? And the demon responds, and this is the gift of discernment and miracles. The demon d- responds with legion, which legion was, I can't remember now, what, a thousand or something like that in, in the Roman army. And, and so, so you know there that, there's, that this guy is full of a lot of spiritual forces. And, and so then Jesus, then Jesus casts him out. And, and so you see there that the strength of the opposition, the spiritual warfare, had an effect on how Jesus approached this situation. And this entire passage that Michelle read is informed by the four verses that come right before it. And let's, let's read this. It's up on the screen. It says, one day, and this is all right before this passage, one day Jesus got in a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they, were fill, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Remember, they're on one side of the lake, going to the other side of the lake where this religion is, right? So these are related. Like he's... the the. The fact that he experiences this on the way to cast out this demon is not a coincidence. This is spiritual warfare. This is happening. So Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. How many of you this morning are ready to receive a gift from God if you were to give it? How many of you would say, yes, God, if you want to give me one of these gifts, or any gift, but we're talking about these this morning, that you'd be willing to receive it? Or how many of you is, is some rationalistic mindset holding you back, or fear, or, or something else? How many of you are just open-handed to God? And you might say this morning, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. Give give me one of those gifts. That would be, yeah. I don't know what what your response is. That'd be really cool. Well, you probably that's he's probably not gonna give it to you if that's your response. Uh, Because, and you might well, you might say I'm ready. But the real question is, how many of you have a vibrant relationship with the Father? How many of you are with the Father in prayer, a person of prayer? And how many of you are seeking to build your faith? Because that's the question here that Jesus poses. The disciples could have done this, but they were scared out of their wits, right? And he says, where's your faith? And it's not a, I don't think Jesus, when he asks this, it's not a condemning question. He's like, he's not saying, gosh, you guys have no faith. He's like, where is it? It, Two things, it's either gone, and they should have had it, their faith left them and fear got put in the place of it, or they misplaced it. They, they put their faith in something else. They put their faith in their own abilities. They put their faith in not the person who's sitting right next to them in the boat. And so many of us are in life, and we're putting our faith in so many other things, and Jesus is right there next to us. 
And all we got to do is say, hey, Jesus, I want to see something. I want to see you do something, and I need you, and I need to see you work right now. And guys, prayer isn't magic. Gregory Boyd says this. I love this quote. He says, prayer isn't magic. It's warfare. Faith building, that's warfare. Prayer, that's warfare. And when we pray, when we're battling alongside God for his kingdom in the world, we're going to see revival happen in our city. But before we see revival happen in our city, we have to see it happen in our own hearts. And you have to see it happen here first. It has to happen in you first and, and overflow out of you. So I want to encourage you this morning, as you consider these gifts, discernment, miracles, healing, are you a person of prayer? Are you seeking to grow your faith in your relationship with the Father? Because that's the first step for us if we're going to be a church that sees these things happen. We're going to have to grow in that regard. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've shown us your relationship with the Father. Thank you that you invite us into it. Thank you that the eternal purpose is for us to be in that eternally existing community with perfect love, perfect grace, perfect mercy, perfect forgiveness, everything perfect, Father. I pray that we wouldn't shy away from that, that we would just cast ourselves at your feet and allow you to work in our lives. Open our eyes to the entire spectrum. Help us see things, feel things, sense things that we haven't sensed before because, uh, because you, are it, are, you are showing us how to enter into this battle for your kingdom and for your glory. We ask it in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.